0: You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Paul Hemming from Sealink interviews experts on how SME developers and contractors can transform their business through intelligent construction management.
1: Hello and welcome to episode number 32 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming and Liam Curley. Liam, you are in an unusual and unique situation today because you are going to be our guest today. We've talked about doing this for a while.
0: How are you feeling? I've been waiting for this for 30, 31 episodes. Finally in the hot seat. Finally in the hot seat. I didn't think it would happen. You've been brushing me off and you've you've finally had enough.
1: To be fair, it's probably only 20 because the first 10 you hosted, so it's only it's only tw- twenty of the thirty where I didn't choose you to be a guest. And just so you know, we've got a backlog now of loads of people who are going to be guests, and you've you've come right to the front of the queue. So I'm I'm very pleased to be interviewing you. It's just a uh, slightly different change of night dynamic today, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I was talking rubbish, <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of this episode is going to be absolute golden.
1: It is going to be golden. But so today's episode is titled The Five Marketing Mistakes in Construction. And I have brought in the master, which is Curls. So for keen listeners, you will all know who Liam Curley, or to us, Curls is. He's my much-loved co-host, producer, and he is also the marketing director at our very own company, C-Link. Curls, I think everybody has a feel for who... We both are, and the relationship that we have, um, and I think they definitely know I am a QS, because you don't let them not know that I'm a QS and that you have a distaste for QSs. But what, 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 what I think would be good as part of this episode, and one of, the main re- one of the reasons we wanted to do it, as well as well as to explore the topic that we're going to do, is helps everyone to get to know you a little bit better. So before we start the show and get into it, I'd like to talk about you. And your experience within the construction industry, because from what I understand, it started at an early age with it being in the family. So t- tell us about yourself first and foremost,
0: Liam. So I've worked in I've worked in construction most of my professional career. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, come on, be convinced. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I worked in different side so I worked on kind of uh, materials and manufacturing I've worked in uh, merchant side Uh, I've worked subcontracting and obviously I'm working in in software working with developers as well and then obviously when you're doing those roles you're you're collaborating with because of that range of roles you're also collaborating with all sorts of different sides so technical uh, yeah, technical, design, architectural, main contractors. And those roles have been mostly sales and marketing. Like, you know, I, and you've mentioned it a few times, I worked in subcontracting, worked in roofing, but, but you know, I wasn't a roofer. It was what I brought to it was, was the marketing side of things. And you have uh, a
1: genuine love and passion for marketing. Like, nobody else that I know, you love it. I do. Hugely.
0: It's, it is sad, but... You know, I am an obsessive and, uh, and that is my chosen obsession.
1: <laughs> no, it's, no, it's amazing. It's definitely great for our listeners, for anyone who wants to know more about your views on marketing in construction. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode because there's real value in having this conversation. So we are going to lean completely towards marketing and construction.
0: How do you see marketing in construction, girls? So before we get into this then, so in marketing in any industry, you could pick up books, you could pick up blog posts or any sort of article and content, and you'll find someone will write a tactic. You'll find hundreds of different tactics that you could employ, and they could be successful tactics, right? But when you look at successful tactics, there's so many variables that are rarely considered or shared by the author right so they're not going to share the fact that yeah this could work for you if you have all these situational similarities to me every case is subjective yeah yeah you do this at the same time I did it you do it in the same field that I did it you get the same amount of luck that I got Uh, But I read a a book recently which which wasn't about marketing. It was about, I think it was about how I, I think the title is something along the lines of How I Lost One Million Dollars. And it was by a finance expert who came at that kind of approach where he said, you know, you can read, there are hundreds of different books on investing and they'll each tell you a different model for investing or a different idea to invest in. And none of them are wrong. They can all be right in certain circumstances. But if you're looking at, If you flip it, as we like to do... You like to do. Yeah. And look at, well, what are people doing wrong? There will usually only be a handful of things. And anyone that gets success... Either doesn't do those things... Or they used to do them, but they don't do them anymore. And then they succeed. So that's why, for the purpose of this podcast... I wanted to look at some of the things that I've noticed with contracting firms, whether it be subcontracting, main contracting, that seem to be consistent amongst most. And I think if they changed it, they could...
1: Start to see better results. Yeah. And so so all of this conversation is in the context of, we're a contractor, and that could be a main contractor or a subcontractor.
0: Yeah, we are a firm that sells construction services an implementation.
1: And so the episode was titled Five Marketing Mistakes in Construction. And so marketing mistake numero uno is for you, find the lock that you want to open. Now this is already starting to sound very marketing language to (laughs) me, but what do you mean by find the lock that you want to open? Talk to me about that.
0: All right. So you, you probably would have predicted before we, this, before we spoke that I was gonna mention Seth Godin at some point. I did. I did know that. Yeah. In this podcast, so he's coming up now. He's, he's the only time he's gonna come up. So Seth Godin, very well known marketing author, your hero and my hero. And this quote comes from um, one of his books. This is marketing. Um, well, I'm not sure if that's a direct quote, but find the lock that you want to open. So most businesses, in general, to be honest, but certainly in construction. They, metaphorically speaking, they craft the key. And then once they've made the key, they wander around trying to find locks that it fits in. And it's just the wrong way of going about things. You want to find the lock that you want to the door that you want to open and make the key that opens that door. So what does that really mean? It means pick the client that you want to work for and then... Design the service and the solution that that client wants. Often, contracting firms they don't even consider what type of client they want to work for. They don't even ask that question. Never mind try to answer it. We touched on this, I'm pretty sure, with Eve from Rev Consultant a couple of episodes back, where we said that part of the problem with contractors, subcontractors, particularly, is they say yes to everything in terms of tendering. When really that should focus on the tenders they want to win. Yeah, if you she take definitely that, said st- that. Yeah, if you take that step back, what you really should do is foc- is is think carefully before you're even getting tenders in, what kind of client do I want to win? And if you can if you can break that down and start to think, okay, what what kind of client do I want to work for? What's the best type of client for me? And you may start to think about profitability, what's the most profitable client? What's the less Agro, you can you can have as many metrics as you want. You can then start to break those down into an Excel, and you can have an x-axis and a y-axis to say, okay, these are all the metrics that I consider important in a client, and these are the types of client that we work with in the past. Maybe retail, um, young developer, old developer, high end, whatever, high end, yeah, low end end products, yeah, types of clients. And then you can score them. There's all sorts of ways you can do it. You can get as granular as you want. But most contractors aren't even asking the question. Never mind analyzing that. But that's the first point of call. The marketing is about first, don't decide what you said. Don't just say yes to everything and then try to offer something that is going to be suitable to that client. Find the client you want to work for and then build your product and your marketing to... Get that client.
1: If I'm starting out, that might make me feel like I'm reducing the number of potential clients that are available to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So Mm. there's a a big pie of 100% of clients out there. For me, what you're suggesting is go and pick 5% and go after them properly. Is that right? Or...
0: It depends. Depends. So a lot of this does depend on how far along you are with your business. If we're assuming that you have an established business, let's say you're working in one field, or you're working, you're just accepting everything, and you say, "Okay, we want to start. We want to focus purely on, I don't know, maintenance contracts, retail, hire, whatever," and you're scared. You're going to turn off all your existing clients and you can't afford to do that until you bring in these new ones number one your existing clients probably don't look at your website so i really wouldn't worry too much about putting them off with your marketing and there's going to be a transitional phase where you can't just say no to everything you can't turn away your existing clients even though they're not the ones you want or you create a new brand you can say okay We'll keep our brand as it is but let's create a new brand to get these new clients and then at some point we could transition or we could just keep that the, the old brand alive just if we're quiet or to keep our guys busy on the tools um as you do have to with contracting but basically um,
1: basically what you're saying is that yes you're narrowing down the pool but you're narrowing them down in an intelligent sensible way so that you can then target specifically that pool right
0: you become this comes the key one, to the our, one, one of our later uh one, one of our following points i think but if you're trying to get if you're trying to create a product for everyone you're creating a product for no one
1: yeah and that doesn't mean that you can't later start to attract a wider pool for my five percent going to a, a wider pool potentially i guess but um if you're focusing initially well that's
0: then. a that's a question that's a different question we, we kind of kind of kind of touch on that but yeah. If you want to build a more profitable business, it always comes from being a specialist in a certain field for a smaller business. And that's effectively what you are as a contractor. Unless you're Balfour Bt or equivalent, you're going to be a smaller contractor, whether you're turning in over £1 million or half a £1 million pounds or £20 million. Become a specialist and that comes with it, a genuine specialist, and that comes with a, be- a, a better a better Type of client and better clients tend to deliver better um, profits.
1: Yeah. So you have found the lock that you want to open, and then what is next? What what is point number two? Mistake number two is around the topic of positioning, as I understand it. So then, how does that how does that next step come?
0: So this kind of follows on from this follows on from the last point and the question that you just asked. So contractors, I, I would go as far as to say never have good positioning. And it, if they do, there's there's hardly any there that I've, I've seen. Being a roofing contractor or a brickwork contractor is not a position. Being a fit-out contractor is not a position. Even being an office fit-out contractor is not a position because there's so many of them. Positioning means identifying... Uh, a differentiator, a place in the market that you want to create the product for. So for example, Tesla, they noticed that um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's driving around in a Prius. There's a big market for, there's a big eco drive. There's a big market for energy cars. DiCaprio driving a Prius. So clearly there's a new position. If you want an electric car and you want a luxury car, that's our position and contractors don't do this with a position if you don't have a position all right if you are a roofing contractor that's where the bill of quantities comes from all right because what a bill of quantities is essentially saying is i'm going to give this to five subcontractors i'm treating you all the same the only differentiator between you all is the price that means you're a commodity and if you're a commodity it's a low-margin game. If you, want to, if you create a position, you, you create a team, you create a product, you create a service, which doesn't have a like-for-like light light comparison. You reduce the number of cost, potential customers, but for the people that do want your position, there's nowhere else to go.
1: But how, how, how do I create that if I'm a roofing contractor,
0: in your example? Well, I think that we should we should discuss that after the break.
1: Who's the host here? <laughs> but, fine. But, but fine, all right, we'll discuss it right after this break, Liam.
0: Owner <laughs> build is brought to you from our sponsor, Sealink. Software used by developers and main contractors to manage subcontract procurement in one place. Find subcontractors, automate tenders and contracts, control construction program, compare prices, and improve project profitability with Clink. To find out more, head to c-link.com. Now back to the show.
1: So I don't know whether now to stay silent or to talk because who's who's asking the questions? I'm the host, Liam. I mean, I'm not usually touchy about this, but you know, I usually share it, share it with you. But we're not sharing today. You come on as the guest. Deal with it.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I'm going to ask you a question. The question is the one that I asked you before the break, which was you talked about a position. You talked about roofing contractors, how do I create a position if I'm a roofing contractor?
0: So there's loads of different ways. Firstly, you go back to you're picking your client. So then you're considering, okay, what? Normally, I would say, what problems do they have? But you're looking at, okay, what kind of, what kind of solutions does that client uh, want? Um, and you may decide that I don't know, green roof, green roofing is a bit of a position, bit more of a position and moving. But this is where I would I would then move on to the next point which kind of answers that, right? Which is we're gonna find a position. And if I were contracting, the position would lead with the thinking, not with the implementation. Alright, so that's the third point which t- kind of ties back into the last two. So
1: So the third point is lead with the thinking not with the implementation.
0: Right. And that's, again, is something that most contracting firms don't do. In pretty much, from what I've seen anyway, B2B, business-to-business environments, the high margin sales come when you sell thinking, not the implementation. I.e., for example, the design, not the building, if you like, not the actual Contracting work doesn't mean you don't do the contracting work, but what that means is it's more strategic, right? And so, if I were, we had we were talking about BIM last episode. So, one position could be if I were a contractor, if I were an SME contractor, I think there's probably a solid position available. And again, when we're talking about position, positioning, we're talking In a market not the market what that means is there are loads of markets if you're based in Cornwall you don't have to be the only position in in the UK you just have to have a big enough market to sustain you in the region that you want to work in so let's go back to BIM so one position could be again lead with thinking not with implementation so let's focus on the thinking let's focus on BIM so you could say, I'm going to be the only, my position is, we are a small contractor. We are a contractor that works with SME developers and we're fully BIM integrated. We don't work on any projects without BIM. Because right.
1: all of those clients are interested in BIM potentially, or not all of them, but there is, there is a f- faction of them who are, and they, I will instantly stand out from the crowd. Right, for those guys. it
0: it intro it reduces the size of your potential market because which is why a lot of people don't do this because it feels feels scary. Scary because you're cutting. I'm already out a big scared. Chunk, yeah, you're cutting out a big chunk of what you, the market you could get. But what it does is it does a few things. Firstly, it enables you to target all of your marketing and be consistent to say we do BIM, we're smart, we do BIM. It means the people that do want BIM. Are going to find you, and I think this is who I've been looking for. It means because you've set your stall out that that's going to be our position, you can then invest in your company. You can invest in BIM. You can ensure that your project managers know BIM, that filters through to your whole team. And it means that as long as the market is big enough to support that position, you can then start increasing your margins because there are no like-for-like like competitors out there. No, you're not You're not going after. If you don't want BIM, I'm not for you.
1: Yeah, and so lead with the thinking and not with the implementation in the context of contracting, whether you're a main contractor or a subcontractor, is that the operation of what you do, i.e. putting the bricks into the building, is the implementation. Everyone else is doing that, not everyone else is leading with the thinking. And you'll use an example of BIM where you would then stand out at the front end where people are looking at you and your business as, wow, these guys complete, operate in a completely different way. Yeah, I know that they're gonna put the bricks into the building or whatever it is, but that's where you stand out and that's how you make a marketing position.
0: Yeah, if all you are doing is bringing together a group of brick workers and laying bricks, well, Presumably, the developer or the main contractor in your area, they're going to have access to other, other bro- people doing the same. Yeah, this is you the thing, are, isn't it? You, you are a commodity.
1: Yeah, but that's. Whereas if. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, I can't speak for. Uh, uh, when you're speaking broadly, you, you kind of lean towards what you know. So I'll, I'll go back to roofing because that's what I know. But, you know, if you were to decide, okay, we're going to go into green roofing, but we're actually going to do the design and we're going to have we're going that means we're going to invest in the design. We're going to get landscape designers in-house who collaborate with you know the structural engineers to give bespoke designs. We do the waterproofing as well. And, and that's how we're going to lead and we're going to be a bit more expensive, but if you don't just want some standard seed and roof, you want something a bit special, then there's not many of us that do that.
1: Yeah, well, this is this is actually touching on a really interesting point, which I'm sure many contractors, main or sub, who will be listening to this will think, I've said that before, where they say, I'm sick and tired of working for people who are only interested in price. And the reality is that if you are a specialist subcontractor, unless you're really bespoke, there is quite a lot of competition and the implementation, as you phrase it, Liam, Everyone can do it, which does then mean that you do end to this game quite often. We see it a lot where you are effectively just in a competitive tender, and price is the driver. It's not everything, but that is the driver. But what you're suggesting is take a different angle, take a different position, and have lead with the thinking. And then you can say, I'm not going to be in that same competitive tender process or price isn't the driver And because that's exactly what you were saying. With your BIM example, you can completely stand out from the crowd and be in a completely different position, effectively. Yeah.
0: And then that leads into my next point, which is, shall I introduce you or should you?
1: Well, this is what I mean. You you, know, you
0: introduce it, Paul.
1: I'm wondering if I should even be here. I'm wondering if I should yeah. even be here. So... Item number four on your list. This sounds very Seth Godin as well, actually. So This is, this is all Liam Curley. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so item number four is giving away what you should sell and selling what you should give away. What do you mean, Liam?
0: So this, again, follows on from the previous point. So let's say we've incorporated. We've picked our client. We have picked our position. And we have decided to lead with design. Now, we're looking at what we give away and what we sell and I think that this isn't always true but what you see a lot is, particularly with subcontractors, I'm not sure so we're main contractors, but with subcontractors, they'll go to tender product, you'll get into the tender and sometimes they can be very cagey about what they give away, right? Or they could think, I've got all these value engineering ideas. I'm gonna give them a way to win this job. Or they might say, I'm gonna price this job really cheap because I've got these in the back pocket, or I can see all these potential variations and I'll make the money back on the variations. But essentially, what you you have is people giving away their secrets up front to try and get the job to try and impress, and then charging for changes that ethically they probably shouldn't be charging for because they knew they were there and I just think they've got it all wrong so this is what I would do we've incorporated designs so let's go with let's go with the BIM example Uh, or it doesn't matter what example so let's say we look at these designs that we've been given to price for this job and we've got a strong position so now what we're going to do is we could say we we, we're going to price what they've given us okay but because we've Got this strong position, and we've invested in it. Right, we've gone all in, and we've invested. We've got the team, we've got the design team in house. That means we've got the expertise to go through these drawings with our expertise. We can recognise all of these value engineering opportunities, program saving opportunities, and we're not going to lose the opportunity to sell to sell these. But we're not using them to win the job. It's something that we sell. So. You come to me, I'm the green roofing expert, and I say to you, look, this is the price for your bill of quantities and your with all the designs you've given me. We've actually run our own designs against this and they may be uh we we we, we can invest in uh, BS accreditations or whatever you want to call them, right? But we've got our own designs and we could save you ten percent on cost and ten percent on time. You can buy these designs from us and and this is the quote, like we would do the work for this amount of money. Now you can buy the designs from us for X thousand pounds. We're going to make sure it's profitable, but you don't have to use us. You buy the designs, they're all backed. We've, We've got design, we've got the right insurance. Buy them and then you can use our quote or you can take the designs and give them to someone else. And we we're, we're fine with that. We're fine with them to take the designs. We've made good money on the designs. And because we're the experts now, and what experts means, what to be an expert in this field, what it means is because you're focusing on one type position and area of works, you're seeing the same inquiries come through. And that means you're seeing the same patterns come through, which means you can build pattern recognition. And with pattern recognition, you're gonna to get to a point where you've seen pretty much seen it all and you're creating these designs. And at some point you don't need to cr- keep creating new designs. You just need to implement those designs to the drawings that are coming in. So you've actually done a lot of the work already.
1: Yeah, I'm completely with you. and. and it- the, why this is starting to really resonate with me actually is, is we talked to so many people going back to that example of uh, it 's all about price that 's pack uh, pattern recognition isn 't it all all of this we, we, so many people feel like it 's all about price they 're not really finding the clients that they want to right what you 're actually saying is position yourself to find the clients that you want, think about it logically think about the key that you are, then position yourself and then actually think about what you 're going to give away and don't enter this really difficult position where there's loads of people all competitively tendering and then you might make a mistake you might there's, there's loads of reasons why you win a job um, not all of them are, are good either so this is all starting to make a lot of sense to me and so you're number five Liam lovely number so five I'm the number
0: five number five is probably, is the only one that doesn't really flow from that but I've, I've just seen it and heard it so many times it has to be raised, right? So number five is zero focus on referrals. So from the contractors or some contractors I speak to, I would say nearly everyone if not all of them will tell you that most of their new work comes from referrals. And yet none of them are doing anything to get more referrals. When they want to grow their business, they say, okay, I'm going to grow my business now because we're getting referrals, but I want to get I want to get more business. And they start looking at different tactics, whether it be digital mar- sorts, any sort of digital marketing tactic or getting a business development manager and, and, and cold, cold calling on planning portals, whatever it may be but they never think we get loads of referrals and we do nothing to get them. So we must be able to get loads more referrals.
1: But the the obvious thing is, you know, I can get a business development manager and go through a big long list and they could do it for me or go to lead generation or whatever. So how can I cultivate referrals?
0: So I think that if you're comparing like for like, I think the listener, I think they will agree that referrals are the best lead you could get. You know, it comes with loads of trust. How you cultivate them is is by building a system that encourages people to make referrals, because you probably don't have that. So it means we we can't go into you know the the exacts of that system right now. We don't really have the time, but it means. What could it look asking like? Asking for asking it, it, for a referral. Well, it, it means asking for one, but it means looking. Beyond, usually, it means looking beyond the product and service that you offer, and asking yourself what is truly remarkable about what we do. What could be remarkable? I.e., what is worthy of remark. All right, because um, that's what giving a referral is. And it, you know, I use the example, I've used it with you before, you know, my sister-in-law talk about uh, the, the guy that, that was, was a great boiler engineer or whatever, he, 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 he did a great service. What do you know about boilers? How do you know he did a good service? Well, he tied it up nicely and he was polite and all this. Most people, they, whether it's in, in business to business, whatever, if you want referrals, you need to deliver more than what is expected. And it's thinking about everything around that. So if, it were, if you were a domestic it, uh, contractor, for example, it would be bringing in a cleaning contractor to work after you because nobody does that. And that would get word of mouth going. But from a B2B perspective, it means thinking about what are the little, what could I do to make people talk about me? And how do you, do you make it easy for people to share information about your business? You probably don't. But what are you giving? How are you helping them to share the word? What are you giving them to make it really easy to make referrals? And also, are you, you know, the marketing term is keeping top of mind, right? But people forget you, depending on how often you interact with them, people will forget you. So, what are you doing? How are you putting a system in place to ensure that you've got a constant conversation and dialogue going, even when they're not working with you? You know using the CRM to remind you okay let's book lunch with such a person it means having a system in place whereby you're tracking people that you've got good relationships with and when they leave the firm that you have been working with them you get a notification and you have a system to say you know for me Liam you need to contact this person he's just left he's starting position here make the con- make the connection and keep that relationship going because he probably or she is going to be looking for a new roofing contractor soon.
1: There's, I mean, there's there's loads of different ways that you can manage the process of getting the referral, but the important thing, I think, is being remarkable in terms of the service that you give, so that people want to pass remark as
0: you as you put yeah. it. So, being remarkable, yeah. it goes without saying that you have to be good right? What you're delivering has to be good. Let's assume that it is. But it is, it's thinking around that. It's thinking about what are the interactions like before someone deals with your business? And what are the interactions like after? When someone finishes a project, do you give them any gifts? Nice bottle of champagne or something like that, you know, birthday cards or saw this and thought of you. and you create a system you you work with a CRM you think about this and you treat every customer the same way it's not ad hoc you have a system and help yourself and remember to do these things
1: well it has been an excellent conversation you've made me think about things in a in a different way now everyone knows why you you you're, you're so well respected uh, well, it's not that, uh,
0: but they'd, they'd be. I'm sure people have been wondering,
1: "How is this guy got a job?" <laughs> well, it. and they friend. may still be wondering that, but yeah, I mean, know. I mean, they they may be, but what is clear is that you know when you're talking about these things at the start, you think, "Okay, this is marketing, how can I apply it to construction?" a lot of what we do is, is commodity. You, you could say that for the subcontracting, right? But what is absolutely clear, uh, as we've gone through those steps, I'd always, almost say they're not mistakes in not doing them, but it's things that can can be done if you think about it with your own specific business. And if you do that, you can then very quickly start to unwind or really clearly understand those sound bites that we always hear in construction. I'm gonna go back to that one of I'm not interested in working for people who are price focused only. That's a symptom of how you're positioning your business. And if you could do that in a different way, you may no longer A meet those clients or B feel like you are the commodity that is being treated in that way. So that makes amazing. And sense if you're to asking me-
0: yourself that question, I'd also ask yourself this question is Are you just price focused though? Hmm. Are you investing exactly. in your business or are you buying everything as cheaply as you can S- yeah. trying to stop spending money and not and viewing marketing as a, as a, as an expense rather than an investment? Good question. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Lee. I know you're on the show every week, but well, pretty much every week, unless you're on holiday, um, which is a lot. Yeah. Including next week. But you know, after today's performance, I'm going to allow, I'm going to feel all right about you not being here next week. And, uh, you've promised me that you're going to be here for the rest every single show for the rest of the year so you know i'm i'm absolutely fine with it no but honestly girls thanks so much for coming in that is the uh end of today's show and it just leaves me to thank everyone for listening if you enjoy the show please let us know that we're doing well get in touch say hello and i hope you all have a great start to the week thanks very much girls for coming in
0: thanks paul take
1: it easy mate see you later bye-bye